0: This is perhaps an unfair advantage that we have as a business, is that our customers are investors.
1: Hey everyone, this is Prashant and I'll be your host for the VC10X podcast and today we have Nick Talreja with us. Nick is the founder and CEO of Sidecar, a fund management and SPV solution for investors. In this episode, we talk about what is Sidecar, the different offerings at Sidecar, having investors as customers, how they tackle the assured shutdown, trends in the venture capital industry, and so much more. So without wasting any time, let's dive straight in. Hey, Nick, so good to have you on the VC10X podcast. How are you doing? Hey, pretty good, Prashant. Good to be here. Absolutely. Uh, And to kick the conversation off, can
0: we first have your story and why you started Sidecar? Yeah, absolutely. Um... My story is that, uh, well, it starts, it starts with a, a, uh, a practice in, in law. I practiced law for about nine years before starting Sidecar uh, at major law firms in New York City and in the Bay Area. And I worked with mostly public companies and hedge funds in New York. And then when I moved to the Bay Area, I joined a firm called Cooley, where I worked with emerging companies, venture capital funds and the like. And got very plugged into the startup ecosystem. And it was around then that I got bit with the bug of just wanting to to add more value to the startup ecosystem and, and just be a part of the the energy of, of of creativity that founders bring to the table. And long story short, is I practiced for about two ish years at, at at a law firm in the Bay Area before starting my own law firm, um, a client at at the at Cooley followed me to my own law firm. That then. Amplified in in a way, and uh, I started to grow that business, met many other founders in the ecosystem who were my direct clients, ended up representing some venture capital firms directly and realized that um, I was working very hard at supporting founders and supporting the ecosystem, but had very little upside if these endeavors were successful since I was just a service provider. So I started investing myself. And when I started investing, I leveraged SPVs. I put together an investment vehicle where I could raise capital from other people not just throwing my own capital and if the investment was successful I'd get some upside beyond returning money to people for the work I put into identifying the founders identifying the opportunities and when I put together these SPVs I realized that there were really very few solutions on the market that gave me what I needed which is something that was product driven efficient when it comes to how you could create these SPVs as far as automating legal forms but also the back office processes of accounting, tax reporting, and where I could build my own brand and my own identity without latching myself onto another company's brand, where there may be a marketplace like incentive for me to bring my investors to that ecosystem. There was nothing out there that gave me a product-driven solution to what protected my own brand, kind of like a Shopify-esque approach to helping venture investors start their businesses. And it dawned on me that I couldn't be alone in, in uh, in this need. So Sidecar was born, really out of this vision of giving new capital allocators tools to help them build their businesses build their brand and eventually grow into larger funds or maybe even maintain a lifestyle business as an investor but whatever it may be to give these these new age investors tools to to build that that brand to build that business um, so that's that's the story in a nutshell
1: yeah absolutely and t- talking about the details a little bit here so uh, what's the typical process of uh, starting an SPV and how is it different when you do it with Sidecar? Yeah,
0: the typical process, if you're doing it without a product-driven solution, like where you're not using any software vendor, uh, like a fund-in-a-box solution, would be um, first speaking to your attorney and getting some form documentation. Um, second would be customizing that in some way for everyone participating in a certain investment opportunity and having people docu sign or whatever, e-sign the documentation. You need to open a bank account, so you have to have a relationship at a bank to spin up an account whenever you need them for these types of investments. And these types of accounts are not very attractive to banks because they typically hold money for a very small amount of time um, and are and pretty you know, manual process driven for the bank. And then after that, you need to somehow uh, engage a tax provider or vendor to efficiently help you with the annual tax obligations of maintaining one of these vehicles, filing a partnership return on behalf of the vehicle. Distributing K ones to investors every year, and beyond that, you need to hire someone to help you with compliance filings. Probably your counsel again, maybe another consultant or compliance vendor, but to help you make securities filings on behalf of the SPV, but also make annual filings you may be required to make as as an as an advisor to a fund. Um, and then beyond that, you need some sort of way of communicating with your investors, sharing updates, making sure the community um, you know, aware of, of of all of your activities and any sort of updates they may not receive directly from from the company since they're not directly on the cap table, as well as informed on decisions they may have to make. For example, um, there may be an opportunity to invest again in a company if it's successful. You may have a pro rata right. How do you communicate that effectively and exercise it? You need to do that manually. So there's a range of things you'd have to do that would be pretty costly from engaging counsel to other vendors. Um, Now comparing that with a solution like Sidecar, we streamlined 90% of that. So when you come to Sidecar, you create an account in minutes. You're able to launch an SPV also in minutes. Um, legal documentation is something you should review with counsel, but once you're good with our documentation, we help you tailor for every one of your investors so that it's essentially just it's an automated process to customize forms based upon any investor's needs as far as differential carry or fees. If they're like a friend, you may want to charge them less carry and less fees than someone else. And when you're ready to launch the SPV and start you know start moving money. We have a relationship with the bank behind the scenes, allows us to create accounts practically instantly. KYC and compliance checks are are automated in the product. Um, And then once the investment's made, we automate the filing of of certain compliance forms, like the form with the SEC for the actual SPV, as well as uh, tax reporting, which is the most painful part of the exercise. But we've automated the creation of, you know, the partnership return, the K-1s. Everything sort of like ties back to how we operate in a standardized way. You don't have to engage any vendors outside of sidecar other than ones... For you individually as far as counsel giving you guidance on how you run your business as well as any compliance filings for you as an individual
1: absolutely that sounds like a great product which is like making it a lot easier for people who are wanting to start spvs to do it just by using this one tool and a lot of things will just get sorted out for you right uh, so personally for me when i first learned about sidecar it was when assure was sh- shutting down i think it was around the time uh, like december last year and I was I was having uh, an investor on my podcast at that time who was running an SPV on Assure, right? Oh, no. Yeah. So he told me the exact story of how terrible it was, you know, just before the holidays starting, you know, this news, hits that, okay, Assure is shutting down. And, you know, everyone is now scrambling that what to do next, right? So he mentioned that they are like planning to move to Sidecar. So that's when I first got to know. So can you, uh, like walk me through of those days when a shore was shutting down just around the time when just holidays are about to start, right? So what was happening at Sidecar at that point? How were you strategizing to like tackle this entire situation?
0: Yeah. This was around Thanksgiving. I think it was maybe even Thanksgiving day that the news was shared, which was, uh, obviously not ideal since everyone's like at home with their families typically around that holiday. Um, and we had hints that this would happen, that Assure was failing, um, weeks in advance, months in advance, even, but we didn't know how severe the situation was and how urgently that they, you know, they were considering pulling the escape hatch. But um, when when it all went down, I mean, the first the first thing that crossed our minds is, what do we do to make sure that the overall market appreciates that this is an isolated event and that we're we're not at risk of the same situation because we wanted to make sure our customers still continue to trust us Um, the customers we'd already started to work with we wanted to make sure that they felt protected the second thing that crossed our mind was beyond just protecting our customers how do we help and educate the market on what's happening and educate those who are affected on how they can get the best possible solution for it, for themselves. And that did not mean how do we go and land grab all of Assure's customers? Some many of our competitors went into land grab mode. We, in fact, sent out a letter that same day saying we will not take over Assure customers. Um, and the reason for that is Assure is a manual shop. They have historically provided essentially a manual service for a software based fee especially as there was price compression in the market. And as a result, um, that led to their failure and that they needed to, to maintain people on payroll to provide support to all of these variable expectations that they had committed to in year one over a life cycle of, let's say, 10 years. Now, if we were to just say, hey, we'll take everything over, we're inheriting a landmine of unknowns, all the variability and everything they said yes to. It would not necessarily work with our software. Sure, we could try to conform it, but in conforming what someone expected to what we can do, you're necessarily having a difficult conversation, people are unhappy, they already have uncertainty in their minds. So now you're having to give them something less than what they expected. That doesn't sit well. Um, It also didn't seem like the right time to profiteer, just given that there was a lot of pain in the market and there's no money. Typically in an SPV after the month, the funds have been transferred to a company. So it it didn't morally feel right for us to try to profiteer on other people's losses. So We said, hey, like, rather than us try to say, come to us, we'll take over all this business, which would have been great from like a, you know, lead gen perspective. We realized that even if it was good for lead gen, it would lead to people just feeling hardship. Instead of that, can we help everybody in this market find a more cost-effective solution than someone like Sidecar that can understand the complexity of whatever they committed to with Assure and help them over their minimal obligations over 10 years of life cycle, whatever's remaining of that over their SPVs. So we basically did the work of lining up vendors. We interviewed about 20 vendors. Other vendors, other than sidecar to see what's the best combination of services that someone affected by sure can engage with, and can we even help negotiate a fixed price that's less than anyone's charging in our market for takeovers to give them more of a custom manual support that they need. So we did that. We identified two vendors, a law firm and a fund admin. Uh, Junto was a great law firm. Griffin was a fund admin. And we said, hey guys, we're gonna work with you. We're going to refer everyone that asks us for support to you, including our customers that were affected by this, and maybe in the future we can work on some way of migrating any sort of data back to Sidecar for those for those affected. That was what we did. And honestly, I think it was the right move. Um, in like the weeks that followed, months that followed, we saw that even our competitors who are product driven were backtracking on their commitment to take over Assure customers and I think uh, in the end we just we, we maintained this the standardization and and the approach of, of supporting our customers in a very focused way that allowed us to go from zero to one and now it's allowing us to go from one to ten without inheriting a lot of disarray.
1: Yeah, I totally love that. That's a really commendable approach because like usually if you're leading a business like you're mostly like okay this seems like a golden opportunity let's let's get some new business in right. Yeah. But love like the view that you took at that time uh, and like made the sensible approach that was best for those people, right? Basically because those people were burnt at the time and they needed that kind of care. And I'm glad you were able to provide that. Uh, But like, let's talk about the aftermath of this. Uh, So I still believe that like when you are there to add value, like people want to work with you, that's obvious, right? So how, how much of an impact did that bring to your business and, how much new business did that really brought in at the end of it
0: yeah it was it was generally in the very immediate term there was uncertainty in the air around every vendor other than those who've raised like more than a few hundred million dollars in venture capital and are like mainstays in the ecosystem um, but after the dust settled there was an appreciation for how certain vendors operated and it, it led to um, it led to a lot of positive brand value at Sidecar um, because of how we handled the situation, because our customers continue to be really happy um, and appreciated that they chose us to work with over Assure in the months leading up to the Assure downfall. And ultimately because our competitors who have agreed to take over these Assure deals and built essentially manual businesses, um, we're not able to honor their commitments. So as people tried to work with them in the same way they worked with Assure and hit walls, There was an appreciation for a software play here that uh, our competitors channel as software, but it's really surface depth software versus Sidecar, which is infrastructure based software, where we've automated so much of the process behind the scenes that we can truly honor our commitment of supporting our customers at a pretty reasonable fee. Um, So it led to some positive brand value as far as like tangible new business, difficult to say exactly how many customers came to us because of this, but you know that that was an inflection point for us in our growth. It wasn't like a on the day itself inflection point, but there was a there was an arc of growth as sidecar that started around then. That's still continuing, thanks to how we handled that situation, but also just the market playing out in the way we expected it to anyway. It just accelerated the the dynamic of other competitors and 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 you know different business values that that have helped us independently.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like briefly, could you uh, tell our audience about? Uh... The, the different
0: offerings that you have at sidecar yeah so we today so i mentioned the spv product uh earlier since that was a product that i had dreamed of as, as a potential customer sidecar that you know I, I needed this this product it was basically a really simple spv solution that just worked really really well at a decent price but our vision is not to just stop at spvs and it's certainly not to stop at spvs just for venture investors what we're building at sidecar is well, we believe the future private market infrastructure will, will just be, will rely on in that if you look at public markets, when you want to initiate a trade in a certain stock, you can open up your Robinhood app, you click buy, it's basically immediate. And that's because there's there are these known standards as to how people communicate value. Like what is the value of a share of Tesla, for example, there's a known protocol for communicating a buy and sell. There's a known protocol for understanding this, the security that you're buying. When you go to the private markets, there's no standardization around any element of transparency as far as like what the asset is. There's no there's no homogenization around reporting that information. There's no standardization around how you actually buy the actual asset itself, how you form the security that represents the asset. And there's certainly no homogenization around trading those those securities. And that world, the private markets will undoubtedly need to be more transparent, more homogenized, more standardized as people move more and more capital into the private market because for a market to be efficient and for it to be something that drives value there has to be liquidity ultimately and liquidity can only arise if there's efficiency and how you can get in and out of these assets so we view sidecar as one of a few companies that is catalyzing standardization in private markets to ultimately create transparency which drives liquidity forward the way we do it is we've chosen to to, to focus on vehicles spvs fund structure, so beyond SPV is like a, a fund to buy multiple assets, and beyond that, um, different types of aggregator vehicles, that we can take opinions on how they're formed, and build them the exact same way in like an assembly line like format, every single time someone wants to create one of these vehicles. And if you look at his history here, most exposure to private markets happens through these types of vehicles. And therefore, most liquidity takes place within these vehicles. So we believe that if we're able to take our vehicles and make them the norm for how the market transacts, we can then create liquidity within each one of the peoples, like slice them up to create liquidity, essentially. Now, how do we go about doing that? Well, today it's SPVs for venture investors. It's a basic fund structure for venture investors. And we're now piloting, um, offering our products via API to other technology businesses that are creating marketplaces or working with registered investment advisors to expose their clients to a world of private equity or venture through these same types of aggregator vehicles. Tomorrow, it may be working with larger institutions and saying, hey, rely on us for your needs. Don't go and build this stuff in-house. And that way, over time, as we kind of move into this enterprise institutional market, we're basically allowing and enabling uh, larger players to move a lot more capital to drive the same standardization, ultimately all powered by sidecar, which enables us to be like that private market transfer agent in the same way that you have like a Robin Hood in the public.
1: Yeah absolutely that's great and uh, a recent offering that you launched uh, was S- sidecar fund plus uh, so can you also like throw more light on that
0: yeah so fund plus is is our first fund offering it's a multi asset uh, fund vehicle that allows you to invest uh, across a number of companies as a venture investor basically build your portfolio while simultaneously getting the benefits of offering deal by deal participation to your syndicate that may be investing alongside your committed uh, LPs in your fund. And it's a bit of an innovation on structuring in that we we created a fund that invests through a layer of SPVs beneath it so that every company has one vehicle sitting on its cap table, even though you may invite co-investors from your syndicate to join into that investment. And another benefit of having a unique vehicle for every one of your investments that you make is that should an opportunity for liquidity arise, let's say in two years, rather than like a full 10-year life cycle of the investment, you could just sell a portion of your fund and syndicate's overall exposure to that company in that particular deal level vehicle, um, which is a more elegant way of creating liquidity than unwinding a fund or unwinding an SPV that you know have different different sets of investors.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's great. I've, I've like interviewed multiple investors who, uh, who are running both a VC fund and, and an angel syndicate. And I'm always kind of interested in how the structure works because like both are kind of different and work differently. Uh, so like what you suggest is that there's going to be a fund and there's going to be your syndicate members also there. So you're going to pitch the funds deals to also the syndicate members. And if they're interested, they pitch in, right? So uh, then what, that, what happens next? Like are these both... To getting merged, or they are investing as separate identities that this is the syndicate's investment, this is the fund's investment, or are they like going in as the same thing? If yes, then how does the math work out later on?
0: Yeah, so you, let's say if your fund, right, your fund's investing, uh, let's say, $300,000 in a company, let's say your allocations are 500, you can raise another 200 uh, through your syndicate, and then we merge them together in one vehicle, so total 500 from what appears as like your total check. As a fund manager and then it goes directly into a company one line on the company's cap table the traditional way of doing something similar oh well, this this happens a lot as you just mentioned traditional way would be the fund invests fund negotiates a commitment of 500. they're trying to syndicate something to like backfill whatever's 500 minus whatever the, co-in, the co-investors can invest because you don't know how much is going to come into an spv so you have this sort of like push and pull until the end then the fund will invest some amount and the co-investors invest some amount we have two lines in a company cap table that are that are both kind of like just numbers that aren't usually pretty even because of the uncertainty leading up to the final check.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I t- totally agree. And I'm glad that, like, even if someone is uh, like running a syndicate right now, wants to mature into a fund later on, I think that, that makes it a good product to use for them as well, right? Or, or already has a fund and can also leverage, you know, their network to bring in a syndicate and attach it to that. That is also a possibility, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you have a lot of uh, investors as your clients, VCs or syndicates. Uh,
0: does that does that make fundraising easy for you? Yes, this is this is uh, this is perhaps an unfair advantage that we have as a business is that our customers are investors. So you know, if our customers are happy with their experience, I think they naturally put the investor hat on as to how they look at Sidecar. So very frequently, we'll be working with investors who say, "Hey." when are you going to raise your next round? And, um, you know, last year uh, was a pretty tricky year, as we all know, you know, with um, aftermath of COVID hype, um, capital flowing very, uh, very, you know, heavily into all different markets, but specifically the private markets, there was a pullback and a reset of expectations across venture, which, led us to think strategically about our business as a whole for a while. We're like, what what happens if people just stop investing in venture? Like we're basically going to dry up as far as a part of our business that is our mainstay. That didn't happen, thankfully. But what did happen is it created a lot of volatility. And if you're a startup trying to grow, you know, your investors are looking at you and trying to say, Hey, is there some sort of predictable business motion here that I know I can invest dollars into and once it proves out, Will return a steady amount thereafter to justify an exit at some point in a, in, a, in a volatile market like the one we were in last year, we realized that we couldn't we couldn't commit to predictability and that's something that like no one no one likes. Um, thankfully, our investors are extremely supportive over the long term and, and believe in the vision and they're institutional in nature so they're perfectly fine with short term volatility. But even so, we took the opportunity to raise some money from those types of customers, because we figured hey whatever it takes to extend runway of course we can like control cost we didn't we just scale our team up very much last year it kind of was pretty flat but we can control runway also by raising more money so we raise some money from customers since that opportunity is always at the table for us
1: yeah that that's awesome that you have these people around you and as your customers and then if your like your product is great obviously they'd want to invest right so that's great uh, and while building this product sidecar uh, what have been your biggest learnings uh, or s- some learnings that surprised you about how investors are managing their funds and how
0: investors are managing their funds it 's n- not really a surprise I think like notable takeaways is that there's there are many different types of investors out there with many different strategies and it 's not like it 's not very clear that there is one right strategy. Um, there are a lot of smart people that have different opinions, so it's something interesting is to note like how different very intelligent people approach portfolio allocation. Uh, you know, one investor strategy may be, you know, invest a hundred, you know, invest in a hundred companies with a very small ticket up front to get some larger allocation later, and have a very methodical approach of doubling and tripling down on winners. Whereas another investor's approach may be to have a very strong thesis about an investment before you even discover the company working in the space, and then deploy as much capital as possible in a concentrated way to back those businesses you have a lot of conviction in both strategies could work, right? So just like noting that there's very different views in this industry. Um, And uh, that's something I've really enjoyed learning from from very smart people around the company. Um, Another thing for for us a sidecar to answer like the the first half of your question is like, business building as a whole, what are some uh, non intuitive takeaways? I think the intuitive takeaways are, it really takes a village like your team is everything. And it takes it takes a lot of energy to build the right team um, that is extremely passionate driven can work really hard together and deliver outsized returns and just like amazing results the non-intuitive piece was around team building you know COVID was the catalyst for sidecar in that i had some extra time on my hands i wasn't traveling as much for work so i was thinking about what i could do beyond like the eight to ten hours of work that i was putting into my main gigs but as COVID sort of settled You know, and we realized that our team was mostly remote, the non-intuitive takeaway is that being an entirely remote team has its major hurdles. Um, And there are many companies today that formed as remote first. Um, There are many companies today that would have have revolted against that and said remote doesn't work at all. Many investors have very strong opinions. The non-intuitive takeaway for me is that there isn't like a very easy answer on whether remote works or doesn't work. I think it really depends on the team and the people you invited to your team and whether those individuals can lead, can execute, can manage in a remote environment. Most people cannot, is like a, is like the non-intuitive takeaway. It's like, yeah, I mean, you can try, but most people need to be around other people to be happy with what they're doing and to feel that energy. So Sidecar's returning, or will be returning to more of a hybrid approach, where we have offices where most of our, our team is. That was not intuitive to me. Um, what else? Another non-intuitive piece is, honestly, people notice good work like we we haven't and part of this is because we're lucky in that we work with investors directly we haven't actively fundraised at all in this company and it's because we just focused on building the best solution for our market you know we focus on building the best team and working on the best products and people notice because that's their job is to notice we've been vocal about what we're doing but we haven't been vocal about like reaching a certain investor at a certain time um and, and I really appreciate that as well about, about ventures. Like there are a lot of good people working on solving hard problems and they're looking for founders that are working on these hard problems.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, and uh, like this one question uh, I want to ask you is, what are the innovative use cases you, you have seen for Sidecar? Because I have some, I've seen some like very interesting models, uh, fun models come up through uh, Sidecar. So if you can like share some of them with us here.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the things that really get us excited about what we do is seeing how people are using our products to invest in the future. Um, one of our first customers, a gentleman named Hayden Simmons, is working on a, a climate tech fund. Uh, his His business, historically, has been investing in emerging markets through a fund called RallyCap, and that fund backs founders in South America, Africa, and Asia uh mostly east asia southeast asia in uh in fintech but hayden having access to capital and also having access to interesting companies you know realize like, hey, like what how can i personally impact the world in a positive way and solving for climate change is an obvious place to spend some time at least thinking about what the future could look like but seeing that like we make it really easy for hayden to consider raising a fund it's like a no-brainer for him to think, think hey i can raise like. or a million dollars towards backing a handful of climate tech companies. Like knowing that we've enabled that gives us a lot of purpose and makes our job very meaningful because we know that Hayden is a savvy investor who's going to put, even if it's a hundred thousand dollars, put that to good work behind a company that may be forming some interesting solution in South America towards solving for climate change or creating some efficiency for companies to operate that may be polluting otherwise in an inordinate way. Like we, we love seeing examples like that that's what gets us going
1: yeah totally uh that's great and one one recent like application i saw was there was a fund where they're trying to minimize uh the lp commitments so that like the general investors can come in i think it it, it was a fund wherein Rare breed was involved and i think three four you know gps of like bigger funds uh, than what this fund was about like inviting people to like join this fund wherein like They can just come in with, I think, a 5000 or $10,000 commitment, something like that. Uh, I'm not sure
0: what that is, but
1: if you remember, if you'd like to share that.
0: Yeah, there's just a number of examples like that where our, our fund structure enables uh, you to work with different types of investors and support smaller checks coming onto a fund's cap table. Um, a prominent example of another use case here that I think is very interesting is our fund structure's very easy to to create and to manage, and as a result, if you're a larger fund and you want to give opportunities to individuals in your network that you think are promising future fund investors to just see how they can operate, um, we we enable scout funds very easily for for main funds. So we're seeing that if one of our customers named Costa Noah is using us for their scout program. It's super fun getting to know the individuals in the scout side that could be the future Costa Nova partners of the world. Um, and leveraging our product to very easily test out some assumptions and test out their network as far as deal flow is concerned and and how they'd be fiduciary to the fund.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Uh, and coming to my last main question before we go for the close, uh, and this one is about uh, what's what's your long-term uh, vision for Sidecar and where do you see this like moving into?
0: Yeah, I touched on this earlier um, when I mentioned how we, see ourselves growing, Uh, it goes back to the infrastructure piece as far as how we automate what we automate and holding ourselves to certain standards and not taking on a lot of variability in in form. We believe that for the private markets to work efficiently, there has to be standardization in how vehicles are formed, wherever they are formed, whether it's at sidecar or perhaps at at Goldman Sachs, you know, in a team that's creating some unique exposure for unique a group of investors. If we can standardize how people think about creating these types of vehicles, how they think about reporting on information, how they think about tax administration, which of course is a a web of complexity, then the world will be more efficient in that. If someone were to want to exit a slice of that investment, there is a known commoditized weight to to affect that, that liquidity. And we want Sidecar to be the place that ultimately supports that liquidity in the long term, which means our mission until then is to build a volume of you know uh, of investment opportunities that are powered by Sidecar uh, in some way, in some meaningful way, powered by our infrastructure. So today, starting with venture and starting with emerging VCs, that's kind of our wedge. Tomorrow, it could look entirely different as far as the customer base we're serving, but ultimately, it's the same tools, the same widgets, the same assembly line supporting different investors moving money into whatever private market asset is is is, is of interest to those individuals.
1: Absolutely, that sounds great. Uh, and like moving to the close, uh, where can people who are interested in Sidecar go and sign up and learn more about it? And next is about where can uh, our listeners go and follow you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Our website, great place to find out about us and to learn about, you know, our product, get in touch with us, sidecar.io. That's S-Y-D-E-C-A-R.io. If you want to learn more about me, follow me. Um, our marketing team has been on me about getting more active on Twitter. So I'm trying my best, although it's not natural for me. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Nick Talreja. That's N-I-K-T-A-L-R-E-J-A.
1: Yeah, I'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes below so that our listeners can get there easily. Thanks so much for coming on, Nick. It was a pleasure hosting you and I wish you all the best. Thank
0: you. Thank you.